Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Each week we discuss life's hard financial questions in three sections. First one is retirement update. Second is tactical asset management. And the third is news you can use. Now this week for retirement update, Jeremiah, what we're going to talk about is probably the most common investment choice for people that mm. have 401ks. They're mm-hmm. target dated funds. And what most people know about target dated funds is enormous. And, and they're, they're depending upon how you use them, it's, it's like giving a young person, you know, a chance to drive a car before he's had good mm-hmm. training. They, they don't know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. And so for a lot of folks who have a 401k, they'll have a, a, you know, they sign up with their employer and they get a, a few options. Right. And they, the employer usually can't help advise them. They just say, here's what, what what's offered in our 401k, make right. your selections. And some of those selections are these target dated funds. Uh, basically, it says, when's your target retirement date? And based on you selecting a target retirement date, it gives you a, a mix of assets in that fund that in theory should be appropriate for you. So if, if you're a young person, you say, I've got you know 30 more years to work, so I'm gonna take, pick a target dated fund, say 2050, then the the allocation within that fund should be you know more equities and, and less bonds and less other things. But as you get older, that that fund is gonna shift and become a little more conservative. It automatically becomes less risky the closer you get to the date of use, right? Yeah. To the retirement. So they're, they're easy. I mean, it's it's for a lot of folks, it's not a bad choice. It may not be always be the best choice, but it's not a bad choice because it's 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 an easy way to get you in a decent allocation. Yeah, it provides a glide path and it allows people to invest in equities when they're younger, which is mm-hmm. really important, not to put all their money into fixed assets. But internally, how these things are made up, I mean, there there's some expenses in here that people need to be aware of. Yeah, today we kind of wanted to pull back the curtain a bit just because there's so many individuals who are using target dated funds because that's what they selected for the 401k. And just kind of peel back the curtain a little bit to take a look at what these are. So the first one, like you said, is is costs. Yeah. You know that, that uh, most all either ETFs or mutual funds have what's called an expense ratio, and that's the internal cost that you're paying to be a part of that group. And so if a fund maybe brought back, you know, seven and a half percent, and your expense ratio is half a percent, what you'll see is your return is is seven percent. Right. It, it's kind of buried in there. So a lot of folks don't either they don't know or they don't consider how much they're paying to be a part of this mutual fund. That's really limiting their performance. Yeah, and I think in a 401k, I mean, what 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 I have difficulty with a 401k is that oftentimes um, participant employees need investment choice. They need help yeah. to be able to help select what is right and what's appropriate for them. And it because of the fiduciary, because of that wall that separates it between the employer and the employee, and also between us as the advisor, we can't we can't go in and just make changes like we do for a lot of the accounts yeah. that we work with individually. And it's just, it, it's really sticky. It's just not easy to do. Yeah, no, that's right. It's a hard um, dynamic. And so the, there's the, the cost that people have. And, and the, a lot of these costs are not 
incredibly unreasonable. You know, right. some mutual funds can get you know one to one and a half to two, sometimes even three percent of these these expense ratios, but that's uncommon. You know, most of the targeted funds are going to have between you know um, a third of a percent to a half a percent to maybe maybe one percent. You know, might be mm-hmm. a high one, but so they're not overly expensive, but there is a cost associated with them. Yeah, and I think the biggest issue for us because we're tactical asset managers is that within the indexes. You know, what we talked about in previous radio programs, even going back into last year, is that a handful of stocks became the predominant uh, asset allocation within a index. So what we started to do is to make changes. Well, within these target dated funds, you can't change the asset allocation. And oftentimes you have very few um, selection options, if that's the right terminology, very few allocations yeah. that you can limit or reduce your exposure to certain things. And I don't expect a novice to know that or know yeah. how to do that anyway. So. Right. So they just, you know, the easy act item is they just pick the fund. But yeah, just like you said, Randy, when you look inside of it, you know, some of these targeted funds are, I, I guess they're vanilla in the sense that if, if you have a vanilla life, <laughs> maybe they make sense for that glide path as they right. adjust. We find often for clients, clients can take on more investment risk than they realize for longer. Um, and sometimes people become too conservative too quickly in their 401ks, you know, knowing, you know, as a young I mean, person. I mean, you have a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old that literally is in a fixed income account. I, I, I almost want to take them outside and beat them with a, yeah. with, a, with a paper whip <laughs> or something. I don't know, because they, they don't know any different, but they also are conservative by nature and they don't yeah. want to take risk. And that's when they should be taking yeah. risk at yeah. that age. And they're kind of hamstringing their future a bit that they'll get they are. they'll get to be 50, 60 and realize my investment account has just not done much is because they're in this kind of conservative. The other item is is the unknowns. You know, there's most people assume that there's some bonds in there. They assume mm-hmm. there's some um, equities, you know, some securities in there. There's there's a new law kind of filtering through that might allow some of these target dated funds to invest in private equity wow. holdings. And that's most people they don't expect that. And that would be a surprise for many. Private equity holdings can have higher returns, but they usually have significantly higher risks. And higher costs. Private equity and is loaded costs. with, with right. costs. And the risk factors, most people are fully, they're just not aware of how much risk they're taking on when they invest into something like that. Yeah. So if those get included, that will be a change, I think, in this industry. So I guess kind of looking at these funds, they're useful in the sense that they're easy. And for a lot of people, they make a good choice. However, for anyone who's you know specifically looking at theirs, it may or may not be helpful. And we talked about before, if someone has a pension or their spouse has a pension, their ability to take on risk, everything kind of shifts a bit. So even though the target dated fund might make sense for some folks, it may not be the best option for everyone. Yeah, and we have a lot of clients who are reaching that, that age of they can do an in-service transfer. So 59 and a half, if your employer allows you to do that, uh, maybe you've accumulated, maybe you are five, six, maybe even 10 years away from retirement, we would encourage people that they can do a rollover. They can transfer out. They can do an in-service transfer of their 401k. They don't stop the 401k. What it is, they take the balance and roll that over into a, a rollover IRA. And then we help clients. We have a lot of clients that we're helping to manage yeah. their retirement accounts, but we take out the, we do that in-service right. transfer and bring it on over that yeah. way. It allows the investment profile than to be specific to that person. Exactly. You know, we, to build we, it build, we build the plan based yeah. upon what the client's needs are and what their circumstances are. And, and again, we're very tactical. So we want to know what the asset mix is when we go in and when and take that account over. We're, we can't do it if it stays within the 401k. Yeah. We don't have the same kind of control. So that's right. If you'd like to know more about what we do and how we do it, of course, uh, just give us a call. Our phone number is 951 
684-7011. Stay tuned for our next section. We are going to talk about tactical asset management. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned. He can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section of the program that we refer to as tactical asset management. And we want to spend this segment talking about, of course, the conflict in Ukraine and Russia's invasion of mm. Ukraine. And what are the, what's the impact? Uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, what Russia is is taking a huge, I mean, it's, it's almost like their self-infliction yeah. of what's, what's going on in their economy right yeah. now. Because I mean, we're, everyone I think is struggling with the humanitarian aspect oh, of my it, goodness. but yeah. there's also an economic aspect to it. And, you know, people are, a lot of the folks we're reading are analyzing, you know, how is this going to play out? What is the impact? And one of the articles I read, I thought had a good comment of saying, you know, this isn't um, an economic choice. And sometimes when people are looking at, at the current um, conflict, they're economists trying to assume that everyone's going to act logically to maximize their country's well-being. And I, I don't know, we're quite there. We're in a political struggle and there's politics right. at play here. So there's, there's economic results, but I don't think that economics are, are fully driving this conflict. Right. A lot of it is political. So you know, as we look at this, we can't assume that people are going to make choices just to maximize the economics of it. You know, there there's invading for other reasons. So a lot of clients and ourselves internally, we're talking how how is this going to play out economically? Right. What do we need to do tactically to make any adjustments? Um, and again, I think you know we made adjustments uh, before the end of the year and the first part of the year, and we're not making dramatic shifts or changes from that. And I think in the midst of a crisis. Uh, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to make those changes because you're making them primarily emotionally. You're not making them. Right. But Russia's, Russia's GDP, gross domestic product, they're expecting them to plunge about 11%. Yeah. This, this is, he is literally wiping out two decades of growth within yeah. a week. That's right. Um, and those two decades of growth under Putin has been Russia you know, interfacing with the world. You know, right. They've established better trade. They've established um, you know, the oil and gas trade. You know, there's all these 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 means in which Russia has been connecting with the world. And within, like you said, a week, a lot of that's cut off. So the world GDP is look, looking to fall 3%, mm -hmm. and Russia's GDP, GDP looking to fall 11%. And in the same of that- This is depression era stuff, folks. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's a huge numbers. Yeah, and then we see also inflation, the most recent you know, number they're saying for worldwide was 4.6. I mean, we, here in California, at least, we're feeling it at the pump. You know, we're seeing higher gas prices. That one's inflating very quickly. By the way, I just want to make a comment here. The reason that we get oil into, that we're, we're actually buying oil from Russia, we have, it mostly it comes to the West Coast. Mm. And it's because we haven't developed, we have shut down the development of oil on our West Coast. And so we become more vulnerable for this. Yeah. I, that's a whole nother issue. I don't want to take the, a lot of our radio mm. time to talk about that, yeah. but it, it's clear. 
yeah. that we've dropped our production dramatically under the current administrations in California. Yeah. So then we in California may be more susceptible, perhaps, right. to these shocks after right. start pulling more from the East Coast. Um, so, so as we look at this, you know, people keep asking, "What? How's this going to end out?" And we we don't know how the <laughs> war, or the economics, but but we do see, you know, that this is going to continue, and there will be shocks. And Russia is being more and more isolated, and that is causing not just their so many com companies have pulled out of Russia, and some companies have left literally everything on the table. Yeah. Uh, I, I look at Exxon Mobil, some of the oil development companies. They have just said, "We're done. We walked out." They didn't ask to be bought out. They didn't ask to negotiate with somebody else to buy their purchase out. They just walked away and they're walking away from billions of dollars in development. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's an amazing sacrifice of people saying, we, we, can't, we can't tolerate this relationship anymore. Right, with the uncertainty of when they come back. I mean, even right. earlier this week, uh, McDonald's and Starbucks um, also similarly announced they were closing stores. And the question of that being, you know, will they reopen stores? Will employees still be there? I mean, it's a, it's a big choice and a big hit, but that, that's part of the um, uh, sanctions that we're seeing right now. It's been ex extreme and coordinated efforts by the world to say this type of invasion is not acceptable. Now, the one thing that we don't see is shortages. There's still oil that's being produced within the United States, within our boundaries, and we're still getting oil from Canada, and we still have the original Keystone pipeline. Mm -hmm. So oil is flowing into our country. Most of what's being affected is just the 3% the of oil that we get of our total supply from Russia. That's having some effects, obviously, and you're seeing that at the gas pump. But the analysts are saying that oil prices will probably within six months or less start to drop off mm. because most major companies are saying, no, we have we have abundant supply right now and we're meeting the demand. We're not going to go out and spend all this amount of money when things will probably normalize within probably six months or so. Yeah. So we don't see the capital destruction, I guess, is what you know what we saw back in the 70s and in, in that period. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how long this goes. I mean, like I said, California is feeling it currently, but Analysts are, are are seeing this as a shorter term, you know, supply issue. Um, one of the other items with with Russia is how long they can sustain this. Wow. You know, and with the impact, and you know, one of the comments we talked about was Russia is becoming uninvestable. You know that that a lot of countries not are they pulling out, but there's no ability or, or reasonable ability to go in and, and invest in Russia. And you made a comment earlier today about gold. Of Russia has a, a large stockpile of gold. But the ability to convert that gold into have to monetize it, folks. Yeah, and nobody's cash. willing to give them dollars or euros or yuan for the gold. Yep. So they're sitting with this this gold rock sitting in a safe somewhere, and they can't they can't turn it into value. Yeah, it's a similar discussion we have with with clients that gold you know has a place in, in some people's portfolios, but the the concern that I'm just going to have you know gold for a doomsday, you know we, we kind of talk through that to say what does that really right. look like and. In order to use gold, you have to be able to turn it into something usable, you know, whether it's cash or people think they're going to trade in gold coins. And Russia is you know, just an example in the moment of they have a stockpile of gold, but if no one's willing to turn that into euros or dollars or one, they don't have a, a reasonable ability to, to use it other than physically using it for right. you know, production purposes, which they don't need at the moment. Right. So, I mean, again, I think what we're seeing here is that Putin, what he desired was a weaker, smaller NATO. And what he is getting as a result of this is a much bigger, stronger NATO. And other nations like Sweden and Finland are now talking about join yeah. NATO. So he's getting the exact opposite as far as the response of what he thought he was going to get in this whole thing. Right. And the Russian people having 20 years of progress and development, economic um, growth, like you said, in a week have potentially taken 20 years, a 20 year step backwards. Uh, it, it, it's a catastrophe. And then you have the whole human level of a catastrophe. Right. Um, so we see, you know, 
like this conflict. You know, it, it's it's something that we're constantly watching. Um, and you know, the investment choices are not to you know flee to cash or you know pull everything out, but it is acknowledging that the world will slow down, the U.S. will slow down, Russia will greatly slow down, yeah, because of these sanctions. And we're trying to be tactical to make sure that we are protecting our clients. And and Putin, although I think the out, outlying risk is that he would launch a nuclear weapon somewhere, I, I think that is uh, to the probability that that's very 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 small. At the same point in time, there are other things in his arsenal that I think we have to be aware of, and that's mm. probably in hacking, mm. you know, cyber cybersecurity coming sure. after things like that. And he can do a lot of damage potentially if um, utility companies and banks and other you know other institutions are not prepared for that. Yeah. So I mean, he's going to lash out. He's not going to just lay down and play play nice at yeah. some point in time. But most of the analysts that we're reading, they basically want to starve him. They want yeah. they want him to use his money and his reserves, and he doesn't have anything left over to feed his member. Remember, the citizens have to have some money, yeah, in order in order just to survive. yeah their economy. But one of the articles we read talked about um, you know that Putin isn't going to pull back, but rather will continue until he runs out of funds. Similar, they were compared to the Cold War of saying you know when the US, the Soviet Union fell apart because of a lack of resources, it just simply couldn't keep going. And that may be similar here, you know, that if, if he runs out of resources, he may not be able to continue. Yeah, the most interesting thing I read about this, it was in Barron's over the weekend, and it's regarding uh, what they call a oligarch hunter. Hmm. And this is Bill Browder's. And Bill Browder was part of a, an investment firm that was that had invested in Russia. And Russia had taken one of his colleagues and basically prosecuted him, and the, and the man died. Hmm. Uh, Browder believes that he was poisoned, and he died in prison, died in Russian prison. So he has made it his, um, I guess, his life work at this point is to find out where Putin's assets are. Yeah. So he's going after the oligarchs and he's finding out where their assets are because most people realize that Putin's money isn't held in him individually. It's it's now with all mm. these oligarchs that he's helped to prop up yeah. and make very, very wealthy. Yeah, so this individual, he, you know, he's of course not a government who can do this, but he's probably a lot of the research and, al and analysis to determine where these assets are and to kind of help create that list of yeah. how sanctions can function and who to actually sanction. We're hearing reports of, you know, um, these oligarchs being sanctioned all over the world, yachts being right. seized, properties and cash being seized. But yeah, he, he's an interesting person to kind of have that 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 purpose and that drive to do run that analysis. Yeah, I mean, he, his whole goal is to find where assets are are put away, not only in Russia, but outside the world. You know, real estate, bank accounts, um, you know, we talk about the yachts, those become more of the visible assets. Yeah. We're talking about the assets that nobody knows anything about. Yeah. And, and, and Browder has done this He's been called the oligarch hunter, but a lot of a lot of organ, you know, the U.S. government and other other um, uh, sovereignties are coming to him saying, "Okay, where where's this money at? Where's yeah. these assets at?" Yeah. So it, well, it'll be curious. Yeah, it'll be interesting how all this unfolds, and we of course will keep watching it. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll see where it goes, and we'll we'll keep uh, Ukraine in our prayers. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the Ukrainian people are courageous. Uh, Zelensky hold him up as a phenomenal leader. As one of his comments to. Uh, to the world, he says, uh, Russia will see our faces, not our backs. Mm. And that is a that is a reminiscence of Churchill's comments during the Nazi and, you know, the mm. missiles coming in on London. Yeah. And it 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 gives a, a completely different uh, attitude of, of courage when you're in the midst of that yeah. you're against a foe as, as mighty as that against you. So that's right. Well, stay tuned for our next section. We're going to do news you can use.
Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section of the program that we refer to as News You Can Use. You know, I, I, I read a lot and I pull articles, you know, Jeremiah, you know me, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm writing paper. I've got paper all over the place. And I take articles and I say, this will be something of interest to our listening audience. This is an article I pulled out of the Wall Street Journal. This is back in February 5th uh, of the Wall Street Journal. It says, too risky to wed in your 20s, not if you avoid cohabiting first. Now, this mm-hmm. has nothing to do with financial, but it's an interesting, it's written, it was a study done by colleges, universities, secular people talking about, you know, cohabiting. I yeah, mean, well, it does matter. I mean, divorce is one of the, the largest destroyers of personal wealth. Oh, it is. Absolutely. And so this article, I mean, the, the current out there, people would say you shouldn't get married before your 30s, or if you're going to get married, live together first. The logic, right? Yeah, you have to live together first to kind of test drive it and, and, and see if that's a good fit. And, and, you know, people religiously or conservatively say, no, you shouldn't be living together. You should, you know, jump into marriage. And so there's this war, you know, and, and this article basically did a study to say, you know, people who got married in their 20s, what are their outcomes as far as divorce? Mm-hmm. And people who got waited until their 30s. And it's interesting, you know, basically what it was saying that if you wait till your 30s or if you get married in your 20s, but have never cohabitated with somebody, your odds of staying together and not getting divorced go up significantly. Whereas if you cohabitate with somebody in your 20s, you have a 15%. Or to experiment and say, well, I don't know if I want to marry the person because I, I want to live with him first. Yeah. Or to say we're, we're in our 20s, we live together. That's yeah, what we do as do part that. of dating. Right. You're 15% more likely to for that relationship to end in divorce. And you know, people you know, have go back and forth of, of what the wisdom is. But I think it's just a really wise comment of saying, the article goes on to say, says, why? Why is this? And they said, perhaps it's practice heading for the exit. You know, that, right. that in living together, you've You've had a moment to be able to say, hey, this isn't quite working the way it should. I'm out of here. And so right. you've, you've practiced those feelings. The other is perhaps comparing you know, previous partners to, to future partners and cohabitating to say, wow, that person always did the dishes and this one doesn't. And it leads to this lack of um, contentment in marriage. Right. And the part of their saying is if you haven't cohabited with someone and you get married in your 20s or you wait until your 30s, there's an all-in aspect of it to say I mean, that this these is who stats, we are. These stats are stunning. So they did a, they did a, a very thorough. They did fifty thousand women is what they did. So it's a very comprehensive study. But they found that approximately seventy percent of women in their in their sample who cohabited with one or more partners prior to marriage ended up in divorce. Yeah. I mean, and divorce is the biggest uh, it's the biggest production of poverty. Mm. Uh, primarily for for married for for young mothers, yeah, you know, it's it's very difficult. Yeah, you know, it can be devastating on a group's finances, especially when you have you know paying for each other to get through school. One person putting more into their retirement than the other, mm-hmm. just because that's as as a family unit, it makes sense. But when that gets ripped apart, you're now left in these these situations. So, just as a comment, you know the 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 current wisdom of saying you know live together first or wait to your thirties. Yeah, you know, I think take it with a grain of salt that if if you're getting married in your twenties and you've not cohabited. 
you know, based on this study, you have a good chance of success just yeah. as anyone else does. Yeah. Again, the article was, was really interesting. And um, if you'd like to know more about this, uh, of course, just give us a call and we would like to provide more information to you about it. Yeah, this article is available where if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on a future episode, you can send us an email using the contact button on our website, which is retirementunlimited.com. Or you can give us give our office a call. It's 951-684-7011. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm.